So we've come to the great feast of transfiguration, or which in Greek is metamorphosis. Uh, we know the word, of course, from, well, metamorphosis, the English word, uh, and uh, where, whereby it were most commonly, the most common reference for us is probably the caterpillar metamorphosing into a butterfly. Um, it's interesting that almost at the same time as our Lord was entering into this world as one of us to uh, to reveal to his disciples who he really is and who we are called to become, there was another person writing about metamorphosis. His name was Ovid, and he wrote a very long poem in Greek uh, called Metamorphoses. Uh, actually, actually, I guess it was in Latin. But, uh, but it, was, um, it was all about the gods. Uh, because of course he was, uh, like, uh, the rest of the, the, uh, his, his, uh, culture and compatriots, uh, a, a polytheist. Uh, and he, he basically assembled all of the stories about the gods, which had to do with any kind of transformation or change. Uh, and he put them into this book, which was actually kind of scandalous at the time. He, he, because he, he really didn't sort of Mince legends, if I can put it that way. <laughs> he, 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 he laid bare, uh, the very things that, you know, uh, uh, about 150 years later, St. Justin the Martyr and Philosopher would be pointing out as, look, these are the gods that you worship? They, they look at all the horrible things that they do. If you read the stories, uh, you, you, you really get a sense of this. Uh, you, you, there's, there's people who are changed. Usually the, the transformation is from, uh, a human being into something, a lower life form, an animal or something like that. Uh, arachne comes to mind, uh, from which of course we get arachnid, uh, which is spiders. He was transformed into a spider. Uh, or, um, uh, and, 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 and so on. I could go on, but I don't want to go on about the pagan gods too long uh, or too much in too much detail um, because it can not be ter it's not terribly edifying as St. Justin pointed out. Um, but but he he one of the things that really comes out in this account or rather this collection of accounts uh, is on the one hand, yeah, a lot of these uh, myths about transformation uh, were because of uh, the arrogance of, of the person who was transformed. Arachne, uh, for example, uh, said that she was the best weaver and could outweave even Athena. So yeah, good luck with that. Um, uh, um, but the, um, but over on the whole, if you look at the store, the collection, what really comes across is the arbitrariness and unforgiving nature of the gods that these stories are about. They, they just get kind of get mad at one thing or another and, and, and just come down and do some sort of horrible transformation to some poor, sometimes innocent, sometimes not quite so innocent, but you know, they, they might, they might have said sorry or something like that. And 
Story isn't a good answer with the Greek gods. Uh, basically, all the stories uh, end unhappily, or almost all of them. Uh, could probably go through and, and 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 catalog them and count the numbers that of them that end happily, or at least kind of, sort of happily, on one hand. Um, that this is the world as the Greeks and the Romans saw it. This is the, this arbitrariness, this randomness, this, uh, unmercifulness is what they, as they looked around and engaged with the world, this is what they saw. It wasn't just about the gods, it was about their world. Because, of course, the gods and the world, or God and the world, are inextricably connected. And, and so, It's not a pretty picture. There's a ma massive contrast here with the coming of our Lord and his metamorphosis, his transfiguration, as we translate the, the world, the word. But there's a massive contrast also with the world and his interaction with the world that we see. Now, make no mistake, this is very clearly presented by the gospel writers as the revelation of God. Because, well, it's often said that Moses and Elijah are there because the, they're, they represent the law and the prophets. But if you were listening to the Old Testament readings today, I think there's a different explanation there. Who were the two people in the Old Testament who had mountaintop encounters with God himself? Spoiler alert, we just heard the Old Testament readings. Moses and Elijah. So the fact that Moses and Elijah are here as Christ is being transfigured is not coincidental. They've already seen God in his glory. And now Peter, James, and John are there with Moses and Elijah seeing God in his glory. But there's a difference in this particular revelation because who is this man Jesus? Well, yes, he's God, but he's also one of us. He's a man. He's been walking amongst them. He's, and, and what is his interaction with the world like? It's full of compassion, full of forgiveness, full of healing. This is the God who is being revealed here on the holy mountain, transfigured before them. The God who would condescend to become one of us, who as he does this, walks amongst us in humility and love, in compassion and forgiveness, in healing and in provision. And he, as one of us, is transfigured. We didn't hear, hear this particular Old Testament reading. I was listening to see if, if it would show up. But, but when Moses comes down from his, from the mountain, from his encounter with God. His 
face is shining. So much so that he has to put a veil over his face. Otherwise, the children of Israel who are listening to him and are seeing him are kind of freaking out. It was like, a little bit distracting. You're glowing, Moses. <laughs> Not just, yeah. So, so, so what, what Christ reveals is on the one hand, the grace and compassion and love of God and the, his, his interaction with us and with his universe. And on the other hand, it is revealing to us who we ourselves are called to be in Christ. This is what we are called to, this metamorphosis, this transformation. And here I want to read uh, another epistle reading, which we didn't get, uh, but which talks explicitly about our transformation. Romans chapter 12. Paul has just, he's, he's writing to the Romans, it's his most theological work, and he's just gone on, been talking about the grace of God towards his people and towards the Gentiles, and, and he's, he's talking about the mercies of God, this, this, the way that God interacts with the world, which is so merciful and loving and gracious. And then he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Make no mistake, how we understand the world, how we understand God or the lack of God and his interaction with the world or the lack thereof has a deep and abiding impact on who we are and who we are becoming, who we are metamorphosing into. And it is the mercies of God, the goodness of God that Paul calls out here, calls our attention to and says, this is what needs to um, inspire us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Our bodies here are participating in this transformation, not a transformation into a lower life form, but in the transformation into the higher life form that we are called to be. And how is this accomplished? Well, the world is always wanting us to, wanting to transform us into little bits of itself, this kind of negative and destructive uh, you know, all these failed systems that surround us and, and, and are, are pushing us down. And, but Paul says, don't be conformed to that. Instead, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he goes on to describe exactly what that means. Uh, I'm not going to read all of chapters 13 and 14 and 15 because he goes on in that as well. But, but the rest of chapter 12 is well worth reading in this regard. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, 
as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. How are we to think of ourselves? Not more highly than we ought. Think soberly, according as we have whatever measure of faith God has given to us. Note here, this is essentially humility. But it is not, it is definitely not thinking too highly of ourselves, but it is also not thinking too lowly of ourselves. It is thinking of ourselves as, according to the measure of faith that God has given to us. And he goes on to talk about, you know, whatever gift that God has given to us is given to us for the body. And, 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 and to, to use that gift, whether if you're teaching in teaching, if your gift is ministry in ministering to others, uh, and, and, and so on, um, that he, who leads with diligence, who, so, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. We're called to be who God has made us to be. Exercise the gifts that God has given to us on behalf of those around us. Do this without any kind of hypocrisy. Hating what is evil. Clinging to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another. With brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So, yes, we're supposed to serve, but we're also in, <laughs> we're going to run into persecution, as we are seeing more and more now. I think I referenced last Sunday. But what's our response? Our response is to bless the very people who are persecuting us. Bless and do not curse. Be of the same, uh, sorry, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I'll stop there. As I say, we could go on because all of these last chapters of Romans are Paul telling us how to be transformed, how to be transfigured, how to both body, bodily and mentally be, be made who God has made us to be, who God is calling us to be, to be remade in the image of the God-man, to be remade in that image of mercy, of love, of compassion, of healing, and of provision, that we might be what we were made to be, to his glory, the glory of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, now and ever into ages and ages.